0: You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Seattle Seahawks are the most beatable team the Chicago Bears have faced in weeks. Let's just hope COVID-19 doesn't derail that sometime between now and Sunday afternoon. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sports one You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook. Join the LockedOnBears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you're subscribed to the LockedOnBears YouTube channel as well to keep up with all of our daily video podcasts. Thanks for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today and every day on the show today. We put together a game plan for how the Chicago Bears can beat the Seattle Seahawks. We'll dive deep into the film and look at where Seattle is vulnerable and where the Bears can attack that on both sides of the ball and also where they should watch out, where where Seahawks have some real strengths that we should be keeping an eye on. Then we wrap up with the top matchups that I think are going to decide this game, including a couple areas where these teams really go head-to-head, strength-on-strength, may the best man win. Again, hoping that all the players are able to participate with the ongoing Omicron outbreak across the NFL. But I want to start with this Seahawks defense because, that's really when. That's really where I think they've been best. I mean, very clearly compared to their offense, but their defense has been playing like surprisingly or quietly good over the last handful of weeks, especially. And it's going to be a, a test for this Bears offense. Right, the Seahawks are not a, a great football team, but it's not going to be an easy kind of game by any means. It's, I mean, anticipating, generally speaking, more of a lower scoring, ugly type, hard fought game because this is a Seahawks team that just doesn't give up a lot of points but it's interesting because they do give up kind of a lot of yards and so like uh, you know like opponents have been able to move the ball pretty well against them between the 20s it's just it hasn't always been purely like red zone numbers but they have been very good in the red zone as well they they just they don't give up a lot of points and boy does that sound familiar to, to what the Bears offense has been especially last week but this whole season moving the ball decently Getting into the red zone and completely failing, yeah, that's that's what the Seahawks defense is also good at. So it doesn't necessarily, I mean, sort of aligns a strength and a strength and a weakness and a weakness there, I, I suppose, or maybe maybe the other way around. But it's gonna be it's gonna be another challenge for this Bears team to find ways to finish drives with points because they should again have some opportunity to get the ball moving yardage wise. I'd like to see again, another strong emphasis on the running game because this Seahawks run defense is interesting. You know they. They're they're a really, like, it seems like a a physical, pretty solid group across the board, but it's not like the Seahawks' defenses of years past where, like, you could really point to, like, stud here, stud there, pro bowler here, pro bowler there across the board. Like, they still have Bobby Wagner, but then, like, other than that, with Jamal Adams on injured reserve, I, I don't know if there are any other, like household names on that defense. I'd be curious how many Seahawks defensive players you can name off the top of your head, besides Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, who, again, Adams not going to be available for this game. But, like, so, like, they, they seem to do things pretty well, right? They, they you look at, like, their numbers, for example, they're, they're giving up a pretty darn low yards per carry, under four yards a carry to most backs. They, they have given up some, like, volume games because a lot of their opponents have just, like, consistently stuck to the running game, even when it's only been three and a half, three yards per carry. Like, they'll just do it... 28 times for 100 yards and like it's still like a 100 yard game so you're like well they, they gave up 100 yards but they other team really really had to earn it and i think some of that too is when the opponent is leading on the scoreboard they're also more inclined to stick with that running game and build up some of those yards over the course of a game and that i think is part of why we see some of that discrepancy i think they're a little bit more vulnerable in terms of pass coverage on the back end and we saw really i think the formula from the rams on Tuesday, <laughs> to say last week, but it was like literally like two days ago, um, where they did a great job of attacking the middle of the field, and not only just with tight ends, but receivers out of the slot crossing deep and trying to get matchups with those linebackers and safeties in particular. That that's where the vulnerability has always kind of been in this Seahawks cover three single deep safety type scheme. And you know, their new coordinator Ken Norton, well, not new, but not not the Legion of Boom coordinator anymore, but like he mixes it up still more than you know, they used to, but there's still a lot of the sort of some of the same principles quite often in there. And so, you know, there, there should be some ability to attack the passing game. You know, this is not a defense that gets a ton of interceptions. This is not a defense that actually gets a ton of sacks either. They're, they haven't brought down the quarterback a ton. It's not a pass rush. Again, that like scares you with, with big name players. They, you know, they got a veteran in Carlos Dunlap who's been around the league a little bit, but it's not a guy that it's not it's not a unit that strikes fear in you the way it used to with you know Michael Bennett and um, Sheldon Richardson and all the guys they had on their defensive line back back in the good old days for the Seahawks and so I I don't think not that I mean not that you can just ignore the pass rush by any means but I think it's a potential favorable spot there for this Bears offense to maybe have some time for Justin Fields to throw. And maybe some time for some plays to develop a little bit more downfield. I, I still, first and foremost, we, we talk about this pretty much every week. You gotta stick with the running game and David Montgomery, right? The the whole point, it just it's especially these last few weeks, it's felt like too often the Bears have forced Justin Fields to have to try and be the hero. Like they 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 reach this point where it's like it's it's all passing game and we need these downfield big passes from Fields to do anything to get this offense going because otherwise they haven't been able to find it. And they, so I I really would like to see them do more to take some of that pressure off of fields and not have to rely on him to do some of those things at this stage in his career. You know, you don't, you also don't want to have to make fields into just this, this short underneath passer either, if you can avoid it, right? Obviously if your offensive line is, falling apart, and you know you just have to switch to a quicker passing offense because you can't get anything blocked. That's a different story, but Nagy's always been so inclined to go to the quick curls, the quick slants, the quick underneath stuff. Let's see if we can do a strong running game, play action passes, deep shots, take the top off, and, and go vertical, stretch I and mean, really play into Justin Fields' strengths, but without putting all the pressure to make him have to hit those throws and have to be the one that single-handedly seems to carry this offense half the time. More David Montgomery more rushing and stick with it. Other teams have stick, stuck with it against the Seahawks and had success over the course of games, you know, wearing them down and, and eventually sort of getting enough of what they need from the running game in order to win because this isn't going to be your a, a shootout. This isn't going to be 28-35, right? This is going to be 17-14 type of game. And so a full dose of Dave Montgomery is good for the offensive line. It's good for the running game, of course, and it's good for the quarterback and the rest of the offense too. So that's, that's really how I want to see this Bears offense attack a very good Seattle Seahawks. After what we saw last week from the Bears' defense against the Vikings, I'm a little bit more encouraged about how they match up against a Seahawks offense that has been struggling in some similar ways as the Chicago Bears. We'll break down what's going wrong around and with Russell Wilson next on Locked On Bears. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Of course, everybody wants to win, but especially when you've got money on the line in these types of matchups, it can be tough sometimes feeling like you're going up against this this wave of sort of anonymous opponents where you know, you're, you're just trying to put together a lineup and hope, hope it's better than the most of everybody else. But there's a new kind of daily fantasy sports that really puts the power back in your hands. It's called Stat Hero. It's the first of its kind platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups. So they show you their lineup and you just have to beat that specific lineup. So it's almost like traditional fantasy football where you have a one-on-one matchup, but you get to pick a brand new team every week just to beat exactly what your opponent plays against you. So stat hero players end up getting odds that are four times better than the traditional regular daily fantasy sports on other platforms. So you're in control of the stakes. You can decide how much you're going to play for. And stat hero has no choice, but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Sign up for free right now at StatHero.com/lockedon slash locked on and use our promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on terms and conditions apply. Applying what we've seen from this bears defense against this Seattle offense. It's, it, it surprises me. Like when you think about it on paper that, you know, Russell Wilson D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and you know they got draft picks at running back, you know Rashad Penny and some other guys, and they got a couple of offensive linemen. They've slowly built in there over time. Will Disley's a find it, and like you would think, should be at least a pretty decent Seahawks offense, but they've really struggled in some major ways. Like especially if you just look at some of the like the raw total offensive numbers, I guess rates. Like their average drive is fewer plays than the Bears' average drive, fewer time of less time of possession than the Bears fewer yards per drive than the Bears' offense specifically. Like, that offense in Seattle is not moving the ball as efficiently as the Bears' offense is. Like, that sets the stage, right, for the type of conversation we're having. They've been able to they've been able to still get some explosive plays and some touchdowns in there, although they, they're one of the few offenses in the NFL that has a lower percentage of drives ending in a score than the Chicago Bears' offense. But I think they have had, like, the Bears have had to settle for field goals a bit more, and the Seahawks have been a little bit more boom or bust of, like, you know, downfield passing, touchdown, or, you know, breakaway run, touchdown, and not as many of the, like, driving down there and and settling after eight plays for a field goal just outside of the red zone. Pete Carroll has said that he wants to see his offense run the ball a bit more, and you, you can kind of see that. I mean, they had, not this last week against the Rams, but the two weeks before that, each had a couple of really big explosive running plays, and they were two different running backs, too. One was Rashad Penny, and the other, I think, was... Travis Homer, but one was like 47-yard breakaway. The other one was like 70-yard breakaway touchdown. And I think that's inflated a little bit some of the Seahawks' you know, rushing numbers in terms of yards per carry because I think they're like top 10 in yards per carry. But just they haven't had a, a super high volume of running game. And now they've had, you know, COVID issues like everybody else, but hit the running back position, some injuries there as well. So it's been this sort of carousel of like, you know, Alex Collins, Rashad Penny, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer kind of – sometimes it'll be different guys – in the lineup in the starting lineup getting the bulk of the carries and like none of them are like bringing specifically elite traits but they've all sort of shown some of those flashes too so it's it's one of those things where it's like how scared are you supposed to I mean scared is the right word but like how how concerned how how much emphasis should you put on those running backs when they 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 can get you sometimes, but they're not like game changing backs or runnings runners that are really gonna necessarily like take over a game and you know dominate and carry their offense. It's just like they'll find their moments here and there. So you gotta be aware of them, but you know, you don't have to really hammer in on it. Cause like, you know, their their offensive line isn't great run blocking either. I mean they're they're all right. It's been enough to spring some of these plays, but again it it's not been like a super consistent, you know, every down type Offensive identity for them, and so like I understand if I'm the Seahawks' offensive coordinator, who, whose name escapes me at this very moment, but like if I have Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett, I, I'm gonna pass the ball a lot. Like I, I I have a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers, and like as long as my offensive line can give me something, you should be able to do uh, some pretty eff- pretty effective explosive offense. And they have they they have done some of that. It just it just feels like. It, it hasn't fully translated into overall offensive success. Like Russell Wilson loves the deep shots down the left side of the field to DK Metcalf. Like that, that area, if you look at his passing chart, pretty pretty strong and pretty obvious who and where that's going to. But they take deep shots to Tyler Lockett and the rest of the offense too. Like they they tend to fire downfield, and it 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 is some some real boom or bust there. And I I just think it hasn't necessarily been enough boom, or or maybe maybe it hasn't been enough. With the boom, like their offense has, it's not like the chiefs offense where it can just all be, you know, high flying air raid type, well, air raids more underneath, but high flying downfield passing all the time and always having four speed receivers on the field that can just torch you up and down. Like, like we think of the past chiefs offense, but like with the Seahawks, right, they don't really have much of that intermediate game to like get those chunk those smaller chunk plays to kind of consistently string drives together so you end up getting you know three and outs or four and outs or five and outs that don't really go anywhere mixed in with a 40 yard bomb that sets up a touchdown right that's that's where you sort of get some of these dichotomy and like Russell Wilson is not really as much the intermediate passer and his receivers are not so much the intermediate type of route running receiver. so like I get it's not necessarily like a criticism of their coaching staff, like oh they they sh- they should be doing this or this or this more. It's just sort of a reality of where a lot of their skill sets are, and it hasn't hasn't produced an overall well-rounded offense that that scores enough points and enough to you know win enough games. And so, uh, if I'm the Bears defense, knowing that Russell Wilson likes to go deep on those shots to Metcalf and, and lock it, and that you know they like that sort of top-level downfield passing, the Bears need to and and already do play a lot of two deep shell coverages really don't let those wide receivers get deeper than you, you know, take away the deepest of deep shots. Cause like, that's the thing, like we're talking like downfield, like 30 to 35 to 40 plus yard throws, not just like the 20 to 25 deep, but like 30 and beyond 35, 40, 50 yard passes downfield, get way over top of them because the Seahawks haven't really been great at using that to create, intermediate space, right? They'll, they'll send the top, they'll throw, you know, they'll send them deep and then check down and get, you know, a handful of yards on the really short stuff, but they're not, they haven't been as good at like DK Metcalf creates all this space behind him and they hit the receiver underneath him for 15 yards, right? Again, that, that intermediate area just hasn't really been, you know, they haven't been able to take advantage of the vertical space as well as I would think they could find a way to It's It's been much more like check downy, lower average depth of target when they're not taking deep shots as opposed to you know really finding that that sweet spot in the middle there. Uh, Part of the problem too I think is the Seahawks offensive line that a a lot of those intermediate plays do take a little bit more time to develop and like don't get me wrong like they've got strong left tackle and they've got some other guys in there young up-and-coming players that are not bad but there are some very real vulnerabilities there too and so like it it can be easier for Russell Wilson to just kind of load up a deep shot and float it up deep for DK Metcalf to go under because that type of deep throw doesn't necessarily re- require as much time to throw as maybe a more complex route over the middle of the field where a receiver has to run deep, then turn, then run across the middle, and it takes longer for those types of plays to kind of get going. So the Bears' defense should, in theory on paper, be able to get after Russell Wilson a little bit. Most teams have been able to this season, and not that it's been disaster, but Enough to to cause some problems for the Seahawks offensive line. You know, the Seahawks will run a a decent amount of play action in there. They're probably going to try to run the ball a little bit more because that's what Pete Carroll wants. But I still want my safeties playing deep. Play the pass first. My safeties are playing deep passing first. You know, my linebackers can be a little bit more aggressive because I'm not as worried about them hitting those passes, like, directly behind them on the intermediate area. You know, sure, like, make them hit more of those, and then we can adjust on the fly. But I I just think there's a real opportunity here, depending on who's going to be out there for the Bears at safety, to cap things off at the top, limit where Russell Wilson can then go with it, make them check down and be the short-passing running offense that hasn't been as effective enough. Them this season, and that's how you can kind of keep this in a potential low scoring type of ugly game for this Bears offense to hopefully try and turn its scoring woes around one way or another. But both offenses are trying to find better ways to score and not just move the ball w- with yards throughout this season. But there's a couple key matchups on both sides of the ball that I'm really just excited to watch because it's quality football players going head to head at their respective positions. We'll break down a couple of like marquee matchups and then where the Bears might be able to find some difference making advantages for themselves next. On Locked On Bears. We're getting closer and closer to the Super Bowl. Just a couple of months away now. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And our friends at On Location are the only place to score a a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience Package on location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL, so they are in with the league and they can get you into the top experiences and make sure that like everything is totally taken care of, you're not worried about you know. Your tickets get getting mixed up, or you know, buying them from an un you know kind of a shady source or a third party vendor, and wondering is this going to be legit? If you're spending money on a Super Bowl ticket, right? On Location takes care of everything. They let you choose your exact seats at SoFi Stadium, and then you get to also pair that with Elite Experiences, featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, hang out with Hall of Fame caliber players before the Super Bowl. I mean, you cannot beat that. Plus, five star Los Angeles hotels and food by the great Wolf. Gang puck I mean just mind body soul stomach, football what what more could you need? visit onlocationexp.com/sb56 for more information or search the words Super Bowl on location. that's onlocationexp.com/sb56 or search Super Bowl on location. Today's episode of Locked on Bears, also brought to you by our friends at BetOnline.ag, the number one place we recommend for all of your sports betting needs. Looking at this Bears-Seahawks matchup, the Bears are six and a half point underdogs as I'm looking at it right now. The money line is set at Bears plus 235. If you want to go for that upset straight up, it's a pretty nice return on your money. You're more than doubling your money bringing that back and the over under set as a low scoring game is what they're expecting over under point total set at just 42 and a half. That's almost, almost honestly higher than I th- than I thought it might be. And then I think it might. I'm, I'm leaning towards the under there myself, but Hey, if you want to get some money down this game and make it that much more exciting on Sunday, Bet online is the place to do it. Not just pro football, but basketball, soccer, hockey, tennis, baseball when that season comes back around, UFC, plus your favorite Vegas casino games online as well. So don't wait to take advantage of all the great offers they have, including this one. Sign up today for a free account, betonline.ag, and when you make your first deposit, enter in our promo code Locked On, and you're going to receive a free 50% welcome bonus. They're giving you free money to play with at BetOnline, where the game starts. This game starts for me in the trenches, and there's one matchup in particular. Uh, there's a couple matchups, but there's one more than others that really stands out that I'm excited to watch in this game. It's, it's two players really playing at some of the height of, of their craft right now in, in a specific facets of their game. It's Robert Quinn versus left tackle Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown has is, is been the, really the anchor of their offensive line, that left tackle blind spot. He's been really, really solid for them this season. And trying, in terms of trying to keep Russell Wilson upright and give him some slightly more consistent protection on that side of the field as compared to maybe what he's getting from the rest of that Seahawks offensive line. But Robert Quinn is also, you know, sort of on pace here to set potentially the Bears single season sack record, or at least, you know, he's, he's a Pro Bowl player right now. And he's, he's definitely pushing that way in order to, kind of be at the top of his game right now. And so to have a top pass-protecting left tackle right now versus a top pass-rushing defensive end, edge rusher, outside linebacker across from him is really going to be fun to watch. And I'm curious to see who is going to get the better of that matchup and see just like how that affects the game. If, if Robert Quinn isn't able to really you know, get that pass rush going, is it going to be a problem then for you know, this Bears defense to kind of get that pressure on Russell Wilson, or if if Robert Quinn is all over Dwayne Brown, is Wilson going to be kind of (laughs) screwed for the majority of this matchup? The other one, that's another fun, like, good player versus good player that I'm still excited about, just slightly less than Quinn versus Brown because I I love the trench play, but Jalen Johnson versus D.K. Metcalf is going to be fun because we know Metcalf wants to go vertical and he wants to go deep, and he's big, fast, and strong. And Jalen Johnson's pretty good at kind of manning up one-on-one and following a receiver downfield like that. But again, DK Metcalf is big, fast, and strong. He's bigger than than Jalen Johnson. I, I it's hard for me to say definitively that he's faster than Jalen Johnson, but he's got plenty. Of, I, he probably is. I mean, I don't I don't know there forty times off the top of my head, but I' pretty sure DK Metcalf is also faster than Jalen Johnson. I think given that he's bigger, he's probably also stronger than Jalen Johnson. So watching those two match up going down the side that side of the field is really gonna be fun to watch. And same kind of thing, right? If there's good safety help over the top. Take that away, Jalen Johnson can take away you know anything back shoulder and underneath, but you know from those safeties, should be a good a good day for the Bears defense to limit what the Seahawks want to do. But if Metcalf is winning that matchup all day, they're going to get some big explosive plays downfield and definitely cause some problems for Chicago. Flipping it over the other way, I think this Bears offense can find a real key matchup just doing what the Rams did, and it's putting Darnell Mooney against linebacker Jordan Brooks. He's the other linebacker that in their nickel package that's not Bobby Wagner. And you might be thinking, well, like linebacker against wide receiver, like Seahawks aren't going to just go do that willingly, and no, they don't. But the Rams showed you how to do this with Cooper Cup. I mean, bringing him across the middle, especially in the red zone. I think both of Cup's touchdowns against the Seahawks in in what was another 125 plus yard game or whatever came against Brooks. Right? They were they did a great job of of being able to scheme it up. You know, just. Put the wide receiver at the linebacker and make him cover. You know, kind of you can put a receiver in motion, know when they're in man, when they're in zone, move guys around and try and do some different things to get that matchup that you want. I still like Darnell Mooney against a lot of other members of the Seahawks secondary too, depending on who's going to be out there because DJ Reed was on the COVID list. And so his replacement was a little bit rough last week. Their slot cornerback, Ugo Amadi is also perhaps the weakest link of a, of a healthy Seahawks secondary. So Mooney's been playing a lot more slot in recent weeks especially with Alan Robinson out and Marquise Goodwin out. And so if I can get more of those matchups, that should bode very well for this Bears offense. I'm a little concerned about the center, Sam Mustafer going up against the Seahawks nose tackle, Al Woods. He's been really, he's been flying under the radar nationally here, but I think everyone in Seattle has been raving about him playing just really physical, especially in run defense, right? He's not an elite pass rusher at nose tackle. I mean, he's, he's a pretty good pass rusher for a nose tackle, but he's not. Aaron Donald with the nose tackle spot. You know what I mean? Like nose tackles don't just don't generally tend to make as big of an impact in the passing passing game and as a pass rusher. But like in the running game, Al Woods has been very difficult for centers to move and he's been pretty good at like making the, you know, doing the the Akeem Hicks, not with the Akeem Hicks speed, but you know, kind of sidestepping or bulldozing or pushing the center out of the way and making a tackle for a loss. I mean, he's, he's had some really strong performances this season. He does have a shoulder injury and given it's a short week for the Seahawks, you know, to be determined, I am not. I don't know the extent of that shoulder injury. Maybe he'll be fine. He was listed as a DNP for practice on Wednesday, but Seahawks just played on Tuesday. It was just a walkthrough kind of thing anyway. So, like, I, I don't think there's a, a real strong indication there that I've been able to put together. But I do, you know, if, if this Bears running game is going to work the way they, they want to, I do have some concerns uh, about how Mustafa may hold up in that area because it's been a weakness for him. He's going up against an opponent that's pretty good at a spot where he is weak. One last matchup I'm going to be keeping a close eye on is the Bears left tackle Tevin Jenkins versus the snap count. You know, just making sure that he knows the snap count and isn't going to false start a couple of times this game. He needs to clean up the penalties because he's actually played pretty darn well on the snaps that he hasn't committed penalties. And, like, that's a convenient thing to wipe out. But, like, if you're talking about just, like, how he's done in one-on-one matchups versus a real opponent— He's been playing thing better than he's getting credit for at this point because we think of the penalties and how that has hurt the team. So Jenkins versus the the snap count is obviously tongue in cheek, but it's definitely one I will be keeping a close eye on here. You can be sure whatever happens in Sunday's game, we will break it all down for you right after the right after the game, ready for you on Monday morning. So make sure you, you subscribe to the Lockdown Bears podcast to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis, whether that's on YouTube or free and available on all platforms. But appreciate everybody who's been subscribing to the YouTube channel, liking and commenting on the videos, following along that way as well. You know, it's, it's another way we can reach Bears fans and have fun with this podcast and generate some discussion around this team, even when the team is struggling and they're out of the playoffs now and, you know, change is definitely coming but we can kind of make it a better experience if we all sort of go through it together so uh, i hope i hope you have a a joyous holiday season here whether you if you celebrate christmas i hope you have a merry christmas if you don't celebrate christmas i hope you get some time off work and can just kind of relax and spend time with people that are important in your life or if you have to work i hope it's not crazy i hope you have a good day at work whatever it ends up being i just hope for good things in your future and maybe good things on sunday to help put a bow on your weekend Of course, I also hope that the Lockdown Bears podcast helps you bear down. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write.